Hello, welcome along to this new OG podcast. The world does not have enough podcasts and we're plugging the massive gap by producing this little thing to test the water. I'm Paddy O'Connell, I work in your radio normally and I'm very happy to help launch this and I'm going to be asking for your help as a pupil, parent or teacher to help make it a lot better than this. Anyway, we can't get off to a better start than meeting Kimberly Morrison, a world-class triathlete. She was born with two holes in her heart but overcame it all and fell in love with the sport at Gresham's. We're also pleased she agreed to be one of our first guests to reflect on how she made it in life and what she thinks every teenager should know. Kimberly, hello. Hi. Hi, Paddy. And as we meet, you've already been training. I have, yeah. It's lunchtime here. Uh, the sun is not out today in Norfolk, but I've already done a nice early swim and a hill strength session on the treadmill. Wow. I've walked my dog around the park. You make me feel pretty paunchy. What is triathlon? What are the rules? Triathlon is tri three. It's a combination of swim first, then onto the bike, then a run. Really popular triathlon distance is the Olympic distance. That in the last four years has come down to what they call a sprint distance. So that's a 750 meter swim, a 20 kilometer bike and a 5k run. The reason it's been shortened is because it makes it really spectator friendly, fast, furious, great for the TV. Smile on the finish line. Here she comes. Let's give it up for your winner, Kimberly Morrison. I specialize in long distance triathlon, which is considerably longer than a sprint. Ironman and half Ironman. A full Ironman is a 3.8 kilometer swim, a 112 mile bike ride and a marathon run. So considerably longer than the Olympic distance mm. stuff. Now it's a staggering, staggering distance and it's an amazing sport. It really does seem to be the, put the Olympian into Olympics and we'll get to your success in it in a moment. But there's two things for this podcast. One, you got turned on to triathlon at Gresham's. And two, you were a baby born with two holes in your heart. So you've achieved this, and yet life gave you a card that perhaps many people would have thought would never lead to athletics. So can I start with what you consider to be the most important of those two things? Yeah, let's start from the beginning. I was a patient at Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital. And uh, Paddy, I know we discussed before about me sharing some excerpts from my mother's diary. So are you happy if I share that now? Yes. And just to you listening, I asked Kimberly, how much can we go into personal information? And she said, I'm going to share with you what my mum wrote about me when I was a baby. So yes, please do. We were allowed to see you at 2.30pm in intensive care, on the ventilator, blood out of your nose, head was bandaged to hold the ventilator into place, wire in the neck, tubes up the nose and in the mouth, stickers on you, drip in arm, needle in arm, legs and arms bandaged so you couldn't struggle. Heartbreaking. Still found it hard to cope. Your first words, I want a drink. Gave you some Ribena. It came straight out of the tube, out of the side of your neck. Woke at six o'clock in the morning. You were off the ventilator and looked wonderful. We were all so proud of you. 
Wow. How many times have you read that in your, in your life? I've read that at a couple of schools where I've given presentations. What's really heartwarming is afterwards people have said thank you for sharing because we may have or they have, their families have gone through something similar and it was refreshing and nice and comforting to share. So I, I'm grateful mum has written those words down at the time and I'm able to share them with people. Well, it's a great way for us to connect with you on a podcast where students have been through a year that no one could have predicted. The pupils at Gresham's had Gresham's taken away from them for a large part of the year. And you, as a young person, seemed, you could have thought you were denied a full athletic life, a full sporting life. What stage of life did you start to put the three sports together? Were you a keen runner? Did you quite like cycling and swimming? Swimming. At Gresham's, Evan Tuck, our swim teacher, put on early morning swimming three mornings a week. My dad kindly drove me in in the dark of the morning. And I used to say to Evan Tuck, or Mr Tuck, as he was known to me then, what do I need to do to get really good at running a marathon or doing a triathlon? And we just swam. We just swam, got in, we just kept swimming. I just kept swimming. There was nothing technical about it. I just spent a lot of time swimming and I absolutely loved it. And from the age of, I think, 14, I got my first team school track suit, which was a really cool feeling because it's normally only the 18-year-olds or 17-year-olds that get that. And I went and did swim competitions with the school at Crystal Palace with a friend um, in the same year as me, Charlie Ingram. So the two of us both would waltz around in our first team tracksuits. We absolutely loved it and loved competing above ourselves. It was a great thrill. And what about the sort of warren around the swimming pool, the car park, the track between the old squash courts and the swimming pool? I mean, probably been demolished now for all I know, but it was a strange area. You always knew something was up, I always felt, when you went there. It was- yeah, I know it- Exactly where you're talking about. I have been back to Gresham's to play old Greshamian hockey, and it did make me smile looking down the wall between the swimming pool and the gymnasium, where we used to queue up early mornings and wait for the pool to open. Dark, cold mornings, some conversation, very little. It just, it was a kind of a quietly magical place. So we got that you liked the swimming. Did you ever put the three sports together while you were a pupil? I got the opportunity to, yeah, through the school. The school put on a competition where the pupils could race the teachers. I mean, they could have thrown any sport at that and I would have got involved. That sounded right up my street. Brilliant. I'm so competitive. And it happened to be triathlon. So the few kids at school that fancied it got to take on the few teachers at school that fancied it. So we swam in the Gresham's pool. We cycled out on the quieter road and then it brought us back through Holt Hall. There is a hill at the end of the course, which always used to be talked about as the hill. The only hill in Norfolk. <laughs> yeah, I now cycle up and do still still feel, feel those feelings of, yes, this is definitely still a hill, even having cycled around the mountains of Spain and Italy, etc. And I imagine you're going to tell me what the run was. Yeah, around the school fields, around the school rugby pitches. Yeah, so that is where we first... Well, that's where I first got a taste for the sport of triathlon, trying to beat the teachers. Did you? 
there were some teachers that were beaten. Good. Others not. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of relationship did you have with authority? Obviously, no one who becomes an adult ever wants to say they were very well behaved. But equally, the worst behaved teenagers don't ever in later life ever want to admit quite how vile they were. So where on the spectrum were you? Did you, were you in trouble? I wouldn't say I was in trouble, but by my standards, when I reached sixth form, I wasn't made a house prefect. And I always thought that if you weren't a house prefect, it's because you were one of the naughty ones. So I automatically assumed, okay, I'm one of the naughty ones, so I might as well get a little bit naughtier. So I didn't think it was a problem asking the school if I could pop out for half an hour just to check that my mother had the right speech day outfit. She was in a changing room in Holt. Just silly little requests like that I would just throw in here, there and everywhere and sort of be frowned at. And I kind of think, well, I'm not a house prefect. I don't have any responsibility here. So I guess I just, I may have had a small chip on my shoulder. I'm not sure, but... I wasn't vile. I just like to push the limits. Good. When you think about the drive necessary to compete at your level, where do you think that came from? I I wondered, did it come from knowing that you had conquered something as a child? Or did it come from natural competitive edge? Where did the competitive edge come from? I absolutely love to go at something. My motivation really is to grasp something that seems really quite difficult to begin with. For example, I did mathematics at school, had uh, Mr. Beanie as my teacher through GCSE. He was an excellent teacher, um, have some very fond memories of my time with him. And he kindly said to me before A-level, Kimberly, I recommend you perhaps don't pick mathematics as an A-level. So that just made me want to pick it. And I wanted to be taught by him. And two years later, I left Gresham's with an A at A-level in mathematics and went on to do a mathematics degree at Loughborough University. Whether it's mathematics as a subject or whether it's Ironman Triathlon, having read Chrissy Wellington's book, A Life Without Limits. She was also a girl from Norfolk. She became four-time Ironman world champion. I read her book. I thought, wow, truly outstanding. And Christ, an Ironman's a long way. How do they (laughs) race over that distance? It's these things that pop up and I throw my whole heart into them. And and I enjoy the process because I have quickly learned, well, not quickly learned, learned over time that like anything with a subject or, or, or any ambition we have, my gosh, we've got to be patient. And my golly, we've got to be committed because... Nothing comes easy. Mr. Beanie arrived at the school as Farfield House tutor when I was there. I was there for his first arrival, and I think we were pretty horrible to him as, as boys. I don't know if he's listening and can put, put me back <laughs> about that. Um, he, was, he was a great maths teacher and still is, I'm sure. What did, did he ever join the dots and say, I'm the guy who said, don't proceed with maths, and then you went on to get an A and then do mathematics at Loughborough which is of course a great sporting university and probably changed your life so did he ever own up that you'd beaten him? I'm going to show you this because I have it right in front of me our Gresham school yearbook has this note in from Mr Beanie and I just think of this all the time and the smiley face I used to love it when I got a smiley face on my maths workout book anyway he wrote 
If everyone put the same effort into life, then the world would be a much better place. Well done on the past four years and good luck in the future. Smiley face, D Beanie. I always look back to that and remember it because he just helped me and he was so patient with me. I wasn't a, I wasn't a free, I wasn't top of the class maths or anything like that. But, you know, I still came out with an A because the effort was there and the, the passion to, to do well was there. And he reminded me of that by writing that in my school yearbook. So for our pupils listening, it's kind of calm down, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. It's possible to do things by your own merits with help. Yeah, absolutely. And I was speaking to a couple of parents, asking them, how are the kids finding it in lockdown at the moment? What's the general feeling? And it's been words suggested like horrible, tough. And I think the main problem is it is the socialization, isn't it? It's, it's the routine. It's the demands of homeschooling. It's the demands of online work all of these things and even the younger kids still going into school they're not getting those after school activities where they start to mix age groups uh, which the kids thrive off as well and is also a really good learning experience and I did have a parent say to me this morning I was only recently reminiscing with a friend and we talk about things we did at school now 30 years on and we're worried like what are our kids going to talk about oh yeah we were stuck in that lockdown in a time of lockdown I must express to anyone listening who has ambitions um, in becoming an athlete the day-to-day life is very much like a lockdown I mean I rarely socialize (laughs) I rarely go out I rarely go to the supermarket you know we're keeping our hands away from any bugs or anything all the time anyway Um, the day-to-day is very structured around you you have to be very self-motivated I'm not for one minute wanting anyone to bow down and say well done I'm just saying you know the life of elite sport day to day can be very very mundane and feel like a very locked down environment but can be isolating people, very isolating but when you see the finish lines and you you watch the Olympics or you watch the world championships you know that's what we that's what we're all living for the buzz the feeling the the hurt, the competition, it's all, it's all what makes the hard work worthwhile. Mm. I mean, from my side to you listening, if you are a pupil, I think that the, the general culture is to do teenagers down and to say that they're all snowflakes and whatever. I've, you know, I've heard all of that. But I have a suspicion that the, the people who get through this pandemic as young people trying to do school, trying to make, keep friendships, trying to be in a family, whatever, once they get through this, they're going to be a lot stronger than people from my generation and, and yours. I know you've done a lot by your own merits, but you could afford to think this year is beating me up, but actually it's going to help me in the future. If I can get through these difficult times of being taken out of school, et cetera, et cetera, it's a good hope that I could become stronger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also I think a challenge that the the pupils are having is the exams. I mean, you're in G- if you're in GCSE or A-level year, I really put my hands up to you because not only are you being told different things about how your exams are going to work, also being told different things about how the grading system is going to work. So a very confusing time and a time when it's really hard to pinpoint what am I working towards? 
And I think one advantage perhaps teenagers have who are listening now over when I was and you were is that it's now a really easy thing to say to people that you, you mental health is just like physical health. You can see a big change in society where you can break your arm and fix it and you can suffer a wound to your mental health and you can fix that too. So I suppose one of the things that I'd like to ask you as someone who's between the ages of the current pupils and me uh, is do you think that there is a link between our mental health and doing something straightforward like swimming or walking or running or su- getting on a bicycle, not even timing yourself, but just cycling into Holt or into Kelling or somewhere like that? Is there, is there a link to just being calm and being mindful and, and being well in the head? A hundred percent. And I have a really, really lovely example. A, um, a pupil at the pre-prep watched an interview live I did on Friday. It was an early morning breakfast interview and she was late into school and she said, oh, I'm ever so sorry. I was watching Kimberly on a live morning show on Zoom. And that was ever so sweet because her mum then went on to tell me that at the weekend she was desperate to get out, get out on her bike desperate to get out get out in the fresh air and take the dogs for a walk and it that kind of influence then motivated her to get out and then I was told it's not then straight back inside the home straight onto the computer screen straight in front of the tv it's time around the kitchen table chatting and laughing so I think that's a lovely example of getting outside coming back into the home feeling refreshed having conversation rather than just isolating yourself off into a screen. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, I mean, the banter will come back, won't it? I, there'll probably be some socially distancing rule, but the pupils are coming back in March. And those simple, spontaneous conversations uh, and being rude to your friends and then being rude back, whatever it is, jokes, remembering things, that'll all start again. And, and you're telling me that's just as good as anything that you can get off formal side of education or indeed just you know sitting at home yeah absolutely and like and like you said it's the appreciation for those things even more because we have had to go through this period of isolation all of us yeah do you know what your answer is to the question what would your advice be to your 16 year old self I have jotted a couple of notes down because you have previously prepped me on this one Um, And I've just written the words down, explore and enjoy. Because as a 16-year-old, I think, of course, we put pressure on ourselves. Of course, I put pressure on myself back then. But I feel like 16-year-olds live in a world now where there's even more pressures. I was fortunate enough to go exploring the world. And we didn't have things like phones at our fingertips, Instagram, Facebook, all this. We were just there to enjoy the world and send the odd email back to home from an internet cafe. But now I feel like, gosh, the world has become so much online, it becomes even more. So I stick by these two words I've written down, explore and enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Kimberly, it's lovely to meet you on the Zoom, which is how I meet everyone nowadays. What are your plans for 2021? 2021 sees me going to Texas to race a half Ironman and a full Ironman with the ambition to qualify for the Ironman World Championships, which should be taking place in Kona, Hawaii in October. And I'm still very much in the planning process of a world record attempt cycling from Land's End to John O'Groats 
the record stands from 2002. So it would mean cycling the distance in, gosh, less than 52 hours approximately. So planning and planning continues to progress with that. Wow. I hope you don't get a puncture. <laughs> Kimberly Morrison, thank you very much for being one of our first ever uh, guests on the OG Gresham's podcast, which doesn't yet have a name. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. That's it for the OG pod number one. Thanks for making it to the end, if you did. We do need your help to make it a lot better, to name it, and we're also appealing to music students at the school to create some themes for us. This fabulous one was provided and composed by Jamie Fernell, a recent OG, and you can reach us via the Twitter and school email address. Have a look for Jamie online. He's got a fabulous new song out with his band. For now, thanks to Kimberly and good luck in the next Iron Man. Thanks to Robert Dale, the OG chairman, for getting this going, and to you for listening. Tune in next time. Bye.